Good evening, everybody. It's good to be together with you. I want to start out with a question. And the question is this. How do you get rid of emptiness? Take, for instance, this large glass up here. It's empty. Look, see? There's nothing in there. How do you get rid of the emptiness? I suppose you could try to steer it away. That didn't help. I suppose you could curse the emptiness. Curse you, emptiness. I hate you. Get out of there. That didn't help either. I suppose you could complain about the emptiness. You know, some people have a full glass. Mine is empty. Some people have a half-empty glass. Mine's always empty. I suppose you could blame somebody for the empty glass. You know, every time Pastor Kyle is around, I always end up with an empty glass. I don't know why. He has a full glass, but he always makes sure that I end up with an empty glass. Or you could just resign yourself to the fact that you'll always go through life with an empty glass. On this pre-Christmas Eve service, could you all just go, aw, for me? Thank you. That feels better. Or what I could do is I could focus on the water that's in this pitcher. And I could take that water and I could put it into my empty glass. And look at that. All of a sudden, the emptiness has been displaced by all of that water. And that's a beautiful thing. Now I don't think about it being empty anymore. Let me ask you a second question. How do you get rid of the emptiness in this world, in your life, that is caused by evil and sin? I know you've sensed it. I'm certain that you have felt it. I see it all around me all the time. There's an emptiness in this world that we live in. I have felt that emptiness in my life. I hear people talk about that emptiness, that void all the time. And we're always trying to fill it. I was reading in 1 John in my devotional time, and as I was reading there, God spoke to me this morning, and he reminded me that I need to be careful because the world says it wants to fill every and any void in my life. That the world will take care of all of the emptiness that I feel. It says that it will do it by money. If I have money, my emptiness will go away. Or if it's sex, or if it's success, or if it's relationships, or fitness, or looks, or even religion, that somehow if I get all that stuff in my life, I'm going to be full. I have to be careful I'm not a fool in buying into what the world offers. Because what the world offers may temporarily make you feel full, but in the end, you are really empty. You know, this Christmas season, we're all out, well, maybe we're all out buying gifts for somebody. And maybe you're buying a gadget for somebody, your friend, your spouse, your kids, your grandkids. 
you know, when they open it up, they're going to go, oh, this is what I wanted so much. This is going to fulfill my life. I'm going to be so happy. I told you if you bought this for me, I'd never ask for anything else. Six weeks from now, or six months from now, when they find out there's a new and improved version that's come out, all of a sudden there's going to be that, oof, that emptiness. So how do you fill that void? How do we feel that emptiness? How do we do it in such a way that we, that we remain full and it sustains us? And the answer to that question is Emmanuel. Let me read it to you. It's found in a couple of passages of Scripture, one in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. We say that with me, Emmanuel. And of course, over in Matthew, Matthew says, let me tell you about the true Emmanuel. Over in Matthew chapter 1, beginning in verse 18, I'll read more of the story to give us some context. It says, this is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. But before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said to the prophet. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Actually, it's a sentence, not a word. Not even necessarily a name. I suppose a name could be made out of a sentence. It's made out of three Hebrew words. Im, which means with. Anu, which means us. And El, which means God. Emmanuel is the with us God. Or we put it in English because it sounds better to us. He is God with us. Emmanuel is with us God or God with us. The beautiful picture is if we think about this glass this time as being empty because of sin and evil and darkness, what God does is God comes along and he pours into this world and pours into our lives Em. Anuel, God with us. So now I have a choice. I can focus on the darkness, the evil, the sin. Or I can focus on the fact that in this dark and sinful and evil world, God is with me. Or God is with us if we think of ourselves as the church. So as we think about Christmas this year, what do you think more of what's wrong with the world? Because there are some things wrong with the world. What's wrong with you? Because I'm sure there are some things wrong with you. There's things wrong with me. I mean, everything from physical issues to spiritual issues. Is that what we're going to focus on? Or will we focus on the God who is with us? You see, I can spend my time focusing on sin, or I can focus my time on 
grace and forgiveness and mercy that comes through Emmanuel, who gave his life on the cross so we could be considered by God sin-free as he sees us through his son, Jesus. I can focus on the evil that's in this world, or I can focus on the fact that God is present with me in this evil world, and greater is Emmanuel in me than he that is in the world. And through Emmanuel, I can do all things. Because he strengthens me, and he strengthens you if you'll let him. With Emmanuel, I can overcome so many things. I can overcome problems because Emmanuel gives me the answers in his word and through his spirit. Through Emmanuel, I can overcome hate because in Emmanuel, I find peace. Through Emmanuel, I can overcome loneliness because in him I find closeness and comfort. Through Emmanuel, I can overcome suffering because in him I find joy and peace. Listen to this. In Emmanuel, I can even overcome death because in Emmanuel, I have the hope of a resurrection. Do you know that even when I doubt God and wonder where he is, has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. Even then, I'm okay because Emmanuel is with me and he once wondered where his father was. On the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? So even in those moments when I feel like God has forsaken me, God is with me. Pretty amazing, isn't it? I know all that sounds kind of theological, almost theoretical. How does it play itself out in a real life? Well, look at Mary for a moment. Can you imagine what it must have been like to be Mary? How do you tell as a teenager, how do you tell your parents that you are pregnant and Joseph is not the father and no human being is the father, but that this happened by a miracle. God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, conceived in you the Messiah. How do you tell your fiancé? It's not some guy you met down there when you were hanging out with Elizabeth but that it's this miracle that happened to you. I mean, those of you who are parents, put yourself in that place. If you're a teenager, put yourself in Mary's place. If your child came to you and said something like that, how many of you would have a very hard time believing them? It was no different back then. Don't think parents didn't have the same feelings, concerns, and worries, and doubts that parents have today. How did she survive that? Think about the emotions, the things that she had to deal with in her life. Yeah, she had to deal with with the threat of death. She could have been taken out in stone. That's why when we read it, Joseph thought about quietly divorcing her right away to spare her from being stoned by the elders. She certainly had to deal with loneliness. I mean, my goodness, how, who do you have? And she certainly had to deal with rejection by the villagers. She had to deal with gossip. Oh, everything is being said about her. (laughs) 
She had to deal with the suffering of being isolated and of being kind of put out of the village, so to speak, at least emotionally. There were so many things that she had to deal with, but if you read the Scriptures carefully, you find out, well, there's actually nothing in the Scriptures that tells you she had hurt feelings or she was angry or upset or threw a tantrum because mom and dad don't understand me and Joseph's thinking about divorcing me and the whole village is talking about me. You never hear that. Why is that? There's only one answer for that. Emmanuel. She knew that God had spoken to her. And she knew that she had not been with another man. So she knew that God had spoken to her. She knew the truth and That's all that she needed. So what if everybody else has their opinion? And besides that, listen to this. She could feel Emmanuel in her very womb, moving and working around. Now she knew the presence was there. How about you? How about me? Emmanuel is in us, if we're followers, as much as he was in Mary. And we know it because God has said it. We have his word to go by. If we confess our sins and believe on him, he's in our lives. And not only do we have the word and the knowledge, we also have the experience. How do you know if Christ lives in you? First John tells us you'll be filled with his love. And that love will emanate out of you. The degree to which we feel and know his presence is very dependent, however, to the degree that we're willing to make room for him in our hearts and in our lives. He saw her in December. And he told her that medical science had done everything it could for her. And now she was in the hands of the Creator. There's nothing more that could be done. She looked at Dr. McDougall, who was practicing medicine in the Maritimes near Nova Scotia. And she said, I want you to promise me that if I'm still alive at Christmas, You let me go home. He knew he shouldn't. The kind of TB that she had was very contagious, called open TB. Just by coughing it, she could spread it. But he said to her, if you're still alive, I'll let you go home. And he really didn't believe that she would be alive. At one time, she weighed 125 pounds. This 23-year-old woman now was down to 87 pounds. Her husband had come home from World War II, and he had a mild case of tuberculosis, but he didn't know it, and she caught it because she had no immunity to it, and it just ravished her so quickly. They took her to the provincial sanatorium in Kentville, there in Nova Scotia, 
The doctors tried to help her. There was just nothing they could do for her. You see, the tuberculosis had lodged itself in the lower right lobe of the lung, which is a very odd place and a rare place for it to go. If it had been the upper right lobe, they could have taken some of the ribs out. That would have collapsed the lung and closed off the inch diameter tube that was growing in her lungs and causing the fever that wouldn't go away and causing her to weaken to the point of being on the verge of death. They couldn't take out the lower ribs because if they had done that, she would have nothing to support her body. They even talked about a brand new process which had just come out. People were now actually trying pneumonectomies, take out the lung, but she was too far gone, too weak to take out her lung. That's when the doctors gave up and handed her over to Dr. McDougall to basically oversee her, her death. Normally, he would have not tried to do anything, but he noticed something unusual about her, and that is that she always had a smile on her face. If someone did the smallest, kindest act towards her, she would smile. So he called a specialist in Montreal, and he talked to the specialist because there was a new medicine out called streptomycin, and there had been some success with it, but the doctor in Montreal said it probably wouldn't work on her, and besides, it wasn't available. He called a physician in New York who was a specialist and asked him what they could do, and he said, well, there is something you could try. You could stick some needles in the peritoneum, and you could pump in air to try to push the diaphragm up to close the lower lobe, and then let nature take over and seal it shut and stop that tube from growing. So they decided to try it. They pumped in the air, but it was so painful, she couldn't deal with it. She almost died. They had to stop. And that's when Dr. McDougall looked at her and said, there's nothing more science can do. Well, she hung on down to 80 pounds now. In fact, she hung on all the way to Christmas Eve, and she reminded the doctor of his promise. He was reluctant, but he made the promise. He said, you'll have to wear a surgical mask. You cannot hold your child at home. You're one-year-old. Don't hold him. Keep the mask on, except when you're with your husband. When you're with your husband, you can take it off because he's immune. He had the TB. He gave it to you. So away the ambulance went and took her home. On Christmas Day, she was brought back to the hospital she was ebbing between life and death, so weak. But amazingly, all through January, she hung on. But in February, there were some complications. She began to vomit, wretch, uncontrollably, nauseous all the time. She wasn't being given food. They didn't know what on earth was going on. They called in some consultants. They couldn't figure it out. And one day, when he was standing next to her bed, she looked at him with a little bit of a facetious grin on her face and said, Could I be pregnant? No way, said the doctor. Your body is in such shape that it would never conceive a child. But he didn't know what else to do, so he ran the test. He was shocked and amazed to find out she was indeed pregnant, which brought a foolish little grin to her face. They had to feed her intravenously because now she's trying to support two lives. Something strange happened in March. She started to actually gained some weight. Her fever started to go down. They did a chest x-ray and they could see that the lower lobe was being closed off. The tube had stopped growing. At the end of March, they did another chest x-ray and they discovered that her diaphragm had actually moved all the way up and had collapsed the lower right lobe 
It was being sealed shut. The tuberculosis had stopped. The doctor looked at her and said, I need to let you know that that baby inside of you is saving your life. Nine months later, she gave birth to a perfectly healthy baby, and two months after birth, she went home completely healed because the baby had sealed off the TB. Dr. McDougall said, I've never seen anything else like it before, and now with modern medicine, probably never see it again. See, that's what Christmas is all about. It's all about making room for Emmanuel. And in order to make room for Emmanuel, we've got to let him have full control of our lives. We've got to let him have full control of our thinking, of our choices, of our feelings, of our bodies, of our relationships, of our finances, of our past and our present and our future. We need to let him fill our lives full. And then we'll have peace. Then we'll have joy. Then we'll have hope. And then we'll have love. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want you to take a few moments And I want you to ask yourself, has Emmanuel filled my life? Is there room in my life for Jesus? Am I willing to let him take over every aspect of my being? Or is there some area in your life that Emmanuel is being, is being kept out of? It may be a habit, it may be a grudge, it may be an area of doubt, it may be the past, it may be something you just feel that God could never forgive you for. I'm here to tell you, God will forgive you for anything and everything. As we prepare for the birth of Christ, I'm just wondering, here tonight, in this special night, would you make room in your soul for Emmanuel? Would you ask him to come in and fill you? Would you hand to him whatever might be in the way? Would you confess whatever sin might be there? Would you accept his forgiveness? Would you give him control of whatever situation you're worried about? Would you trust him with your fears? you ask him to make himself known to you? Lord, I pray and ask that you would fill my life with Emmanuel afresh, invade every space of my being. Help me to rest in you. Your word says that perfect love casts out fear. That's your perfect love for me for us. Lord, help us to move our eyes towards you. And for that, we give you praise and thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.